And welcome to the first 2021 edition of the Money Mitch Effect, a sports podcast hosted by yours truly, Mitch Michaels. Thank you for listening as we have a lot of sports, a lot of football to break down as we gear up for the college football national championship game on Monday and the start of the NFL playoffs this weekend. Got a couple guests to help me do just that. First up, it's Sean Sullivan, Yahoo Sports College Football Podcast producer. We're breaking down the semifinal games, Ohio State's triumph over Clemson, Justin Fields having himself a day. Alabama rolling past Notre Dame. We talk about the potential of that matchup between the Crimson Tide and the Buckeyes, as well as break down some other fun and exciting bowl games. Got to talk betting as well. And then Ryan Souls joins the show to talk about the Cleveland Browns, my Browns, getting into the playoffs for the first time in 18 years. They're going to have to play without their head coach and some other players and coaches as well. So they're hit by COVID, unfortunately. We break down the rest of Week 17 and all the playoff matchups. We got the Packers, got to talk about them, the number one seed in the NFC, and uh, what we like and don't like with this expanded playoff, six games, wildcard weekend. Can't wait. It's Sean Sullivan and Ryan Souls on the Money Mitch Effect. Let's start the show. All right, time to talk college football, and, and more specifically, time to gloat. With my buddy, Sean Sullivan. Sully's on the show. Yes, We're both feeling good for a variety of reasons. But Sully, thanks That's for right. coming on. And uh, got to say, didn't expect to be talking about, uh, you know, the number 11 team in the country. But here we are. Woo, boy. That game was fun. I, I knew you were going to start there. So uh, and alive. What, are the, what, what, are the, what an impressive performance from Ohio State. I mean, you got to be feeling good going into Monday. We were just talking about before we were coming on. You got the Browns, Buckeyes, doubleheader. Mm, mm. Vegas is honestly the opposite of what I would be feeling. I mean, you got to take out uh, you got to take out the last, I guess, eighteen years of pain for the Browns and just look at it from yeah. team to team. But uh, I don't know. I, the way Ohio State played, I, I feel pretty good. Feel the, pretty good about the Buckeyes. Yeah, the margins in the NFL, which we know, are uh, a lot slimmer. They're all professionals, and even right. at the top in college, what Alabama's done. Uh, but getting to Ohio State, I just want to start with that because this was, you know, the Clemson game. A lot of words were said before, and just a lot of experience on the mm-hmm. field between these two squads. Ohio State had never beaten Clemson. Zero and three, twice. Dabo Sweeney took his team and beat Ohio State. Uh, on a big stage, but this was uh, an underdog Ohio State team winning, doing it uh, with their offense, not missing a beat virtually the entire night. What was funny about this game, Sully, was the first drive, Clemson gets the ball and just goes right down the field and scores, and you think, okay, here we go again. This could be a problem for Ohio State. The defense shored up, played pretty solid from there on out, but Ohio State had that stress, and Justin Fields, we can talk about him you know ends on ends with how good he played but five straight touchdowns and that said a lot about how poorly the Clemson defense played Ohio State Fields was money Sermon was running hard but the Buckeyes were unguardable on the outside that was the first thing that stuck out to me was that the receivers for Ohio State Olave Wilson both both catching deep threats the tight ends mixing up pace I thought Ryan Day as critical as I was of him for maybe the game plan he called against Northwestern in the Big Ten Championship game, this was a master class mm-hmm. by uh, maybe the best play caller in football right now. I agree. I think he, you saw why Northwestern's the game plan was such crap, I think. You know, I think they kind of got went back to the basics and uh, simplified things for fields on offense and really – he did it all, though. I mean, that, that's not to take anything away from Fields, but I think yeah. they, they've kind of been, it, from an outsider looking in, I feel like they've been circling the wagons of game planning for this game yeah. the entire offseason, right? 
Seems that you know, way. Like that, that, it really was it really was a master class, and they had Clemson's book. And Keith Thamel and Pat Forty had, did a great job reporting the, the sign stealing off all, and Ross Bellinger all fall. Uh, and they, uh, man, it, it looked like it really did make a difference because the Clemson DBs were just sitting there at times and saying, you know, scratching their head right before the snap. Yeah. And Ryan, Ryan Day and Ohio State were like, all right, let's go. Come on. Let's there, was a, there was a few um, times like that, or the Sermon touchdown run, the first touchdown of the game, yep. where they just quick snapped it because Clemson had nobody on the left side of the Ohio State offensive line. So um, yeah, yeah. They, they did a good job playing with pace sometimes, mixing it up, throwing uh, everything mm-hmm. at him, a bunch of different looks. It feels they do everything. I just want to make sure Sermon gets credit because his stretch of games right now, he, oh, he yeah. followed up the 300-plus yard performance with 31-193. Uh, and the touchdown there. So he's got a chance to even, I mean, I didn't even think this was possible, but he's got a chance to surpass what Zeke did in the 2014-15 right. playoff run. So that's possible with another big game. That's the iconic moment that you, everybody remembers is the, the run through the south and shoot, there we go again, round two maybe on Monday. Well, look, defensively for Clemson, we knew that they were shorthanded and targeting mm-hmm. call Skalski got. And look, I, I'm critical of this rule, but it is this rule. As an Ohio State fan, I know how this rule works on this big stage, and that's the yeah. that's the path that college football has chosen. We could debate that whether that's the right call, but you knew when you saw the replay he was going to get kicked out, and that was another loss right. for a team that was without their stud in the secondary for the first half, had some injuries, had guys go down in the middle of that game too. It was one that I think ultimately mm-hmm. did spell disaster for them. Yeah, I thought you're spot on. That dude's a, a, the heartbeat in the middle of that defense, and he, I think Sermon just took, turned it up another notch, you know, and and took out a couple of those those defenders on you know hard hits later on in the game yeah. too. Yeah, and, and but you're right, you're right on that call. Like it's lowering the crown of his helmet, that's it's unfortunate. But you, if you leave it up to the the letter of the law, then that's what it's going to be. And that Scalzi admitted as much after Twitter. I think he was like, you know, you could debate it all you want, but I lowered. I, you know, tackle with your eyes, not your crowning your head. You know, and that that's just it is what it is. You know, and I don't know. I'm I'm not smart enough to figure out a better rule, but I'd imagine there's got to be something out there. Yeah, you saw in this game that Clemson was already struggling defensively. We hadn't seen them struggle probably since the national championship game last year. That they just couldn't afford to lose another guy, especially one as important as him. But Salt, you make no mistake about it. This was Justin Fields' moments. I mean, moment. I mean, twenty-two mm-hmm. for twenty-eight, three eighty-five, six touchdown passes. And this was a yeah. guy who, for and I tweeted out as much. Twelve months had to listen, had to see the highlight, and the broadcast was brought up at least double-digit times. But had to hear that that oh, mistake pick. in the end zone yeah. cost his team a chance to play for and possibly win a title. For him to get this redemption chance right. and to come up the way he did and take that hit. Obviously in pain, obviously some stuff going on we don't know about. For him to respond this way both before and after the hit it was just an amazing moment and one that I'm glad that he got to experience. And really, you know, as a Buckeye quarterback, this is the moment. This is going to be the Justin Fields moment that we'll all remember. Uh, Pete brought up on the Yahoo College podcast, like, why, when has there ever been a better performance from an Ohio State quarterback? I don't think there really has been. You know, it's not like Ohio State as it has dripping with history as they that program is it's not maybe they troy. Don't have, they maybe have troy in like the uh maybe the Michigan game his but senior five year. touchdowns and but five touchdowns and a freaking that's semifinal? true yeah Woo! yeah it's it's up there it's probably the best i mean i'm just thinking you know looking back at who they've had but no it was 
it was remarkable, um, you know, and, and making all the throws, as you said. Big point, too, and, and I know it's been harped on before, but Fields didn't have his best game against Northwestern. He got his toys back. You know, he got his receivers back. Olave, yeah. Wilson, I mean, they were they were that added element. And you mix the tight ends and you mix pass into the running backs. And his legs, he didn't run too many times, but always the threat there. Fields has always been prone, you know, this year especially, to some mistakes. There was that one pick at the beginning of the second half, but outside of that, he was very smart with the football. And, you know, when he was taking his shots – you knew that you know it was a smart decision on his part. I, I was just thoroughly impressed with how he played, and Clemson had literally no answers for him. Yep, and it's going to come down to the very similar game plan next week. They, they're they're going to try to take the top off that Bama defense. That's that is the uh, the game plan. He's going to have to string it string it again. You know, we saw what Notre Dame tried to do and keep it on the ground. Yada yada yada. Ohio State's offense clicking right at the right yeah. time because you're just not going to beat Alabama. You know, trying to trying to play a different mm-hmm. ball game. Uh, you're going to have to try to trade punches with them. They're going to they're going to get theirs. And outside of Missouri, Notre Dame, they've scored 40 points in every other game this year. I think they're going to do it again. <laughs> and yeah. it's you got to match it. Yeah, you just got to match it. The uh, line of scrimmage. I want to give props again to Ohio State for that too. The O line played well, and the D line oh, yeah. got after Trevor Lawrence. Who they, you know the Clemson offense put up 28 points, but they had to earn. You know, a lot of those drives, and obviously playing behind with the defense, not um, with a defense mm-hmm. in Clemson's part that wasn't really getting it done. It was tough sliding for Lawrence, but the D-line showing something, and Sean Wade playing a little better as the game went on. It was a big, big performance for the Buckeyes. They do get Alabama in that championship game, which we weren't surprised with. I think a lot of people were let down, Sully, with the game itself. Because you didn't see Notre Dame really take their shots. They played tough. Obviously, those guys fought hard, but... My concern with this game was it was a little too conservative. Like, I understand that Alabama's the better team and is most likely going to win this game, but I felt like Notre Dame could have been more aggressive, could have pressed the envelope, and maybe were willing to. 100%. Weren't willing to do that because they didn't want the game to get super lopsided. No, and they don't have the horses Ohio State does, so they they're, they're, they don't have an Olave strict, just screaming across, you know, up the seam uh, and busting one for, you know, 50 yards. They just don't. They got they got dudes, but they don't have the dudes Ohio State does. So I think this one this one's going to be a close game. Bama's going to be tested, and I am licking my chops because it's you're right. No matter who, no matter who's <laughs> playing the, the, in that four spot, Bama's going to win. Well, you know? yeah, but it would it would have been nice to see Notre Dame put up a little more fight. It's just been so many yeah. blowouts in these semifinals. You know, I I think uh, well, first of all, I want to say I, I saw some of that game on the ESPN two simulcast. With, would you get the, like not well? Where you get like the coaching cams and different angles? And yeah, yeah, it is. It is very entertaining to watch Saban coach a game, especially when he's up big in the second half. Because he went ballistic out when getting... Notre Dame completed like a swing pass to gain a third and four. It was just, just going yep. ape. Um, it was. Uh, which, by the way, we're going to get into the gambling stuff and our escapades during uh, bowl season. But uh, I'm right. a little disappointed he didn't bring the Smith prop to my attention in time. Because that was sitting oh, right there for us. Seriously, that was if it's any if if it's anywhere close to that, geez, we're hopping all over it on Monday. He's, He's gonna get his. The He's the Heisman Trophy winner. winner. Yeah. yeah, like the dude's a freak, and and Jalen Waddle might play too. That's my only concern about mm. that prop. You know, if they roll him out, yeah. he, even as a decoy though, like you can't cover both of those guys. I don't, I don't know. The one I feel thing, like, yeah. If, I was just going to say, the one thing that's good about a game like that is that it did give Alabama's defense a much-needed jolt of confidence. 
Like they needed a game where the defense could say, all right, we're part of this thing too, you know? They've been playing so well down the stretch, mm-hmm. you know, outside of Florida. But, I mean, Florida's going to get theirs. So that when they're, they're when they're fully loaded on offense, or Dan Mullins can coach that offense up with the best of them. But outside of that, you know, they've 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 bottled up a lot of good teams, and, and coming into this this postseason, they've they've really started locking down and playing better. So they got talent all over the field. Uh, it's not it's certainly not a 2010 Alabama defense by any means, but it's. It's up there, you know. Mm-hmm. It's it's up there in the country this year. So, I like the over. You know, I'll I'll just say that. It's, I, I know that's that's not, that's a pretty popular pick right now, but well, that, screw it, seventy six. Let's ride. Oh man, that is an ins- that's like a bedlam over. <laughs> that's what yeah. that is. It's uh, it's pretty crazy. Uh, and, and just like you said, Waddle could be playing in this game. I think Ohio State's. You know, both these receiving cards interesting. You got Sertan on on the. Uh, on the Bama side, you got Sean Wade on the other side, but neither secondary can even claim honestly that they can, you know, have a great chance of shutting down all the receivers. Because no. outside of Smith, there's still weapons that can hurt you. Mac Jones is, uh, you know, and Sark is leaving, but he'll be there for this game. He's done a great job of making the offense pretty easy for him. You know, just do this, hit the hit the wide open man. You don't have to be super aggressive. He's making great throws, but. Uh, and, Najee, and Najee Harris, too, which if it wasn't for Smith, <laughs> Sully, he might be in the Heisman mix or maybe even the front runner right now with how good he is. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. I mean, you have Waddle, who everybody says is the best player on the offense, go down. Smith steps in. He blows it up. I mean, he's, he's scoring two touchdowns a game, basically. She's just popping off. And then, yeah, you, for, you forget about the freak first-round running back that they also have. And I think Max Jones is a hell of a quarterback, too, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. So... Davey O'Brien award winner, and it, rightfully so. The guy's breaking records all over the place, yeah. and he's, he's just said. Yeah, you know Saban's not going to be giving Ohio State bulletin board material like Davo did. Like, you just know that's not going to happen. No. Uh, <laughs> Saban, Saban, Saban's skin just crawled off of his face when he saw that Davo quote, I'm sure. Yeah, you know, like, like I can just imagining one of his <laughs> – yeah, exactly. <laughs> Mo Ron. <laughs> Can we just say too? I mean, I, I you know, I'm I'm not going to be piling on Dabo much. He's got to he's got to take this L because he's been opinionated, and this is what happens. You know, when you lose, you just got to right. own it. Uh, but the Saban thing, I mean, it is just we're taking it for granted, and we're saying this to people that don't want to see Alabama keep winning. But it's just insane that. Yeah. They're not slowing down. They're getting better. They're they're widening the competition. That every year Alabama mm-hmm. is the favorite essentially to win the national championship. He's taken him to eight national championship games since 2007. Since it he could got easily there. be 10, Tuesday. by the way, you know that, you know that it could easily. Oh be yeah. hundred <laughs> percent. It could be 10. It could like it. And it, when they lose, it's, it's by freak, you know, kick sixes or just, just Sean Watson at the buzzer. That, that Gus Malzahn. Right. Exactly. And oh, man, it's, it's not slowing down. You're right. I think he, uh, I don't know who what, who you made a de- deal with, but the guy's not getting younger anytime soon. He eats two Twinkies a day, has a solid for lunch, and he's going to coach football until he's ninety-five. So, God. Affleck commercials too, yeah. really. Like we needed that. Affleck, they're pretty brutal. Yeah, they're pretty brutal. Our boy Ken Brown, friend of the pod, he's all over hating yeah. that. Uh, yeah, all over hating the Ducks. Well, <laughs> I like the over. I really like Ohio State plus the points. I'm going to sit on that money okay. line bet for a little bit. Uh, want to no, take it? I, We're I'm, early. I'm backing off. We're early. Let's just let's just I'm hold off. off. We got a week. We got a week. We're good. Yeah. Uh, 
Uh, yeah. But definitely we, the we points. We need to talk some team totals. Yeah, but definitely yep. the points. Uh, I, don't, I don't know. All right. Well, let me ask you this: Was this was this was Clemson Ohio State Super Bowl? Are you are you afraid of a letdown? Because we had. You know, you had so much emotions from day. You had coaches right. doing confetti angels. You had basically an entire offseason with it. That's a great point. Justin Fields pick pinned here's, up on the wall. And then here's Alabama on the other side. Ho-hum, our 10th national championship or 8th national championship in, yeah. since 2007. Yada, yada, yada. Here we go again. You know, it's just here's, another freaking business trip. Here's the counter to that. And it very well might be the case. But everybody said oh Ohio State's only played six games they're not getting into that midfield form maybe this is them rounding into form you know maybe that maybe this is yeah. them getting you know catching their groove and and you know playing playing the best in the country with a little bit of time off but basically in a rhythm so I'm 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 gonna wait a little bit on that I, I know I understand it's it's a ballsy pick they're they're underdogs deserve these so Bama has earned the right to be the favorite but not out of the realm of possibility. I think it's a close game. Yeah, I, I, that's why I'm, I'm. That's why I'm open to it. I really do think it's going to be a one-score game. But if you get it at seven and a half, <laughs> above a touchdown, yeah. smart bet, Ohio State, for sure. Right. I think we can agree right. on that. One. I agree. Uh, I agree Sha- on that. Sean Sullivan here on the Money Mitch Effect. Well, there weren't just the playoff games. There were some other news and notes and some scores to get to before we break down our other favorite bowl games for personal reasons. I do want to get your thoughts, Sully, on Sark going to Texas. That was a quick. You know how how you doing, Tom Herman? When you're bring, you're coming back. Oh no, you're not. Actually, you're fired, and uh, Sarkeesian gets right. the job. So lots unpacked there. First of all, Tom Herman's tenure ends uh, unceremoniously, being dumped. Another massive buyout for Texas, and uh, another new 24. coach coming. Another twenty four million. All the all the assistance as well, and uh, another coach coming out clean, coming out roses from that Nick Saban uh, rehab tour clinic. So. Sark is the new man in Texas. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I, uh, I don't know. You know, I mean, he's a forty-seven and thirty-five as a head coach overall. I'm, I'm all for uh, redemption stories and and Disney movies, and I, I don't know, man. Like I, he could, he could be the guy, and he could. I, I think a lot of Herman's issues were, you know, just not being able to find the right staff around him. He had to dump, you know, all of his guys this past off season that that ultimately did him in you know and yeah he's just okay you mm-hmm. know like he, he looked great but so have so, so many coaches it's hard for me as a tennessee fan who's gone to the saving well twice yeah and it hasn't worked out be like okay you know right well here, here's what here's the first thing i'll say about tom herman and i was thinking about this the other day too sully is that timing is everything in life right and i do think that yeah. he would have been much better served if he could have stayed at Houston for a few more years, built up his resume, kept that program going, and uh, at his young age, didn't have to make a move as soon mm-hmm. as he did. But, of course, if Texas is open, you're going to take that job. So it did seem like oh, yeah. he was just okay. He wasn't suited for that job. And, you know, the recruiting thing is interesting, too, because he's lost some Texas recruits. I mean, recently they've, they've kind of been taken to the woodshed in the recruiting game. But I, yeah. I didn't think it was terrible. I actually got the sense more that it just was more with player development because the roster is solid. I mean, it could always be better at Texas, but I just felt like there was more untapped potential. And there, you know, there's no excuse for his defense to have been that bad consistently. Luckily, yeah. he had Sam Ellinger who just covered up a lot of the weaknesses that team had. But yeah, it was average. And apparently, at Texas, whether you agree with the standard or not, average is not good enough to them. No, I, I think there's pretty. Uh, from UT to UT, I think there's a lot of similarities with Bush Jones, where Josh Jobs covered up a lot of warts. 
he couldn't couldn't get the right staff around him. Boy, Recruited Tom Herman well. hates you for that comparison. Were, oh hell yeah, hell yeah, he does. <laughs> but recruited well, but couldn't develop it. Yeah. You know, and just had a quarterback that that covered up a lot of warts and got you in a quote unquote national title race, just because. I mean, there's just not a whole lot of great quarterbacks out there, and yeah, he's he's going to land somewhere, and I'm interested to see where it is. It could easily be in the SEC. It could I don't know. You know, could, I, if I was him, I'd go right back to Houston. You know, go tell Hogo to hike a take a hike. You know, maybe yeah, maybe he goes to Marshall now. I don't know. <laughs> just you know, oh, Marshall would be so smart to hire him. But I like, I, you know, I, that was really dumb. Speaking of dumb fires, yeah, uh, it's Doc Holiday, Conference USA. His quarterback uh, gets the yips and then he gets year. fired. Right, exactly. Quarterback got the yips. Freshman quarterback, no less. That looks at times really promising. And yeah, you, you can that guy going all the way up to the governor of the state of West Virginia. What a mess! My goodness. Well, <laughs> I do want to ask you though, what you think about Sark because with him, I don't think anybody doubts his ability to coach. And and of all the saving assistants, no. and we joke about the rehab tour. He's probably handled it as good as anybody. You know, he's been able to blend in, and he doesn't. You know, he, he plays his role, doesn't challenge authority, isn't in the media like a certain link. He didn't have was. the Saban firing before. You know, <laughs> yeah. the, the title game. <laughs> yeah, there's yeah. that. There is that. But yeah. you know, he had his personal demons. We hope he's gotten that under control. But uh, I think this guy is a guy that knows football, and he and he's been around the game long enough. I think this could be a promising hire. It's expensive hire. It's an expensive decision. But I, I do think Texas could have done a lot worse here. Yeah, they could. Uh, but I just don't – I don't know how much better it is, you know. You know who this guy is from – sure, he could turn out to be some savior and and turn this program around because he can recruit the guys that he was playing with in Alabama. You could see it. You could see it. Because Bama has been going into Texas and pillaging. So is Ohio State <laughs> pillaging the top, 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 top talent. You know, this, the, the pair of twin offensive linemen was probably the last straw for Tom Herman that went to Alabama. And they're like, oh, wait, why don't we get Sark, who <laughs> recruited into Alabama? You know, like, I, yeah. I, I, we just know who this guy is. And just how many how many retreads have ever just popped on the college level? We're not talking about Pete Carroll, you know, in the NFL redemption story. Mm-hmm. But, like, how many college guys? Yeah. You know. It's a fair it, question, for sure. Um, rebuild their image. But – One's doing it maybe right now, Lane Kiffin, and that's kind of a good segue to the bowl to the uh, bowl um, discussion yes. here because that was and you pointed this out. One of the best performances by a team, especially a team dealing with opt outs, was Ole Miss's performance against Indiana, winning oh, that okay. one. Yeah, such a fun game. John Rice Blumley playing wide receiver, and I swear if that dude ever goes back to quarterback, like that was so much fun making plays down the stretch. Indiana, of course. I mean, you you wish you'd see this game with with Phoenix at the helm, but what a, what a coaching performance! You, I, I I told you coming into this game, I was like, you know, Kiffin's going to put up you know damn near forty points, no, no matter how the hell he's going to do it. You know, he might have fifteen guys out on the offense. It doesn't matter. He's figure it out, and he did. He's playing it for that. Blo- he's, he's got that locked in. He's playing for that blooming onion today. That was uh, that wasn't a direct quote, but you know, he needed that yeah. one. Uh, oh, you're right. Kiffin could be a redemption story, but I. I feel like USC and, and Tennessee and Ole Miss are two different things, you know. And yeah, the job quality, um, the job quality might be a little too tough. Like Kiffin, is you saying Kiffin could have a great run for Ole Miss standards? No disrespect, but going right. to Texas and you know putting a guy like Sark down, I get it. But I also think these programs, you know, again, no offense to Texas and them, but sometimes the standards are out of whack. 
because it hasn't been great yes. for a while now. Like, <laughs> you know, you had Vince Young win you a national championship, and you were in the mix with Colt McCoy and them, but it has been bad. It was bad at the end of Mar- Mac Brown, Charlie Strong, Tom Herman. I mean, at a certain point, Nebraska is probably chief example of this. At a certain point, you just have to taper your expectations. Right, and shoot, Tennessee, Miami, Florida State, like there's Notre Dame is back, but it took they took the right coach to get them there. And a long and time. That's, that's what a lot and a long time to do it. And and even now there's nobody saying that Notre Dame can go out and win a national championship. Yeah. I think the, the the issue is not Texas. I think the issue is Alabama, Ohio State, and Clemson. Yeah. And Texas looking at them and saying, All right, there's three people and everybody else and we want to be the fourth. You know? Yeah. And Notre Dame is Notre Dame, but they don't have a lot of the <laughs> they could at least get to Notre Dame, you know, with the right coach, at the yeah. very least. And they should. You yeah. know, because you you shut down the state of Texas, which nobody has been able to do at Texas. That's I think that's the biggest issue. Ohio State, Alabama, Georgia, LSU has been an issue. You know, like just everybody's coming in and pillaging. They're getting good players, cause, but, but it doesn't matter. You know, there's there's so many five stars in the state of Texas. You better get every single freaking one, and and don't let them go to A and M. Don't let them go to you know whoever. Don't let them come down to USC. So yeah, it's it's a uh, not lo- a long hike, but. Yeah, it's, it'll be fun. It'll be fun. They just spent a whole lot of money. Luckily, they got a lot of money in Texas because who knows? They might have another buyout in a couple of years. It's going to be crazy. Uh, Sean Sullivan here on the Money Mitch Effect. I want to wrap just running through some of our favorite games, including when I know what yours was. And that was yeah. the Gator Bowl because that was a wild oh. ride for those of you, those of us that had the Wolf Pack. What a roller coaster. Oh, my goodness. Missed field goals, college kickers. Man, I knew those two missed field goals in the first half. One was just a dunce. And then the other one was because of a boneheaded 15-yard penalty to back it up 15 yards. Woo, man, I knew it was – I was already stressing out because, you know, you know, it's the first leg of a teaser. You want to hit those two, at least get to the last leg, right? Well, uh, our boy Hawkman throwing three interceptions did not notice no favors in trying to cover that spread. I thought we were, our backs were broken there in that second half pick. And uh, Rodriguez goes on and scores his, like, 40th touchdown of the day. And I'm like, all right, this thing's over. But no siree, Kentucky is going to Kentucky. I told you, I texted you this. I said, UK is going to UK. They did. They, sure enough, they did. They didn't lose the game, but they made it closer than it should have been with 45 yards of penalties on NC State's final drive to, to just basically give them seven points. It was beautiful. That January, that January 2nd slate was fun. Uh, I think everybody was on the smart money and the big money kind of aligned with Iowa State. That was everybody just seeing that that was going to happen, yeah. beating that Oregon team. And I guess similar to A&M, although they needed that last touchdown to cover the spread, but we, you know, having them in a teaser and just knowing that A&M wasn't going to lay an egg, even though the game took place after no. the playoff. Uh, NC dealing with the opt-outs and also dealing with just the defense that just could not match up with the skill guys on the perimeter. I do just want to also mention, too, the other New Year's Day bowl games that weren't playoff games. Northwestern, great way to finish their season with a 35-19 win over Auburn. And Georgia, by the skin of their teeth, pulling out that win over Cincinnati. Mm -hmm. Cincinnati outplayed them, Sully. We saw it. Questionable decision at the end by Luke Fickle. But the clutchest of clutch college kicks I have seen maybe ever. Yeah, it's, it's it's up there. It's a hell of a kick from, what was it, 52, 53? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, hadn't kicked a kick over 50 all year in his career. First game-winning kick, all those stats, that was awesome. That was a really, really fun game. Two really good programs 
going at it. I, I'm a big fan of Luke Fickle. If if they can somehow, you know, bribe him to, and pay him trillions of dollars to leave Cincinnati to come to Tennessee, I would take him in a heartbeat. But yeah, as the years going on, I've been, you know, had the wool lifted from my eyes growing in the South and placing importance on bowl games, especially January 1st and 2nd bowl games. Uh, oh, man, it's there's scrimmages, so I'm not going to start, you know, do this SEC mm-hmm. versus Big Ten versus whatever. ACC sucks losing all their bowl games, which is true. They do suck. But, yeah, I, take all that out. Cincinnati's a hell of a freaking team, and that was those were two really good teams going at it. And I, I enjoyed a lot of that game, and up until the end with the two bonehead, Kirby Smart calling time out the freaking punt, and Luke Fickle – you know, like just wanting to wanting to blow the game instead of running forty seconds off the clock, and sure enough, he did. I, I would have they would they would have never made it, you know, with the, without those forty seconds. So it, it sucks. Yeah, sucks to end the season like that, but uh, still a hell of a coach. Well, it was a fun bowl season. You know, even before that, we saw what you love to see: Florida getting beat down bad by Oklahoma, and. Oh, uh, and uh, we saw a brawl too, so we got Mississippi State and Tulsa into a uh, skirmish. So and and Wisconsin oh, should have breaking the Mayo Trophy. So it had everything. A bowl season abbreviated one had everything. It was beautiful. It was there's too many of them, but not too many of them. There, it, it was just all so gorgeous. You know, like I, I, I want to expand the bowl season. I want to expand the playoffs. I want to. I want more ridiculousness. I want more broken trophies. I want more Mike Leach dancing with fans while his team is fighting the other team. Like, I, <laughs> right. I want more live mascots. I want... <laughs> Let's go. Yeah. yeah. No, I want, it, it I was want more fun. Give me two Outback Bowls, you know? Then, yeah. I was thinking yeah, of I, what my favorite bowl, one of my favorite random bowl memories was. There was a bowl game. I think it was West Virginia beat somebody in the Orange Bowl Army. a while ago. No, no, it was a couple oh, of years ago, yeah. like about a decade ago now. And I just remember yeah. West Virginia had like a pick six back. I think it was a Rich Rod team, maybe even maybe post Rich Rod, but they had a the, pick the, six. The Geno team in the yeah, Orange Bowl? Yeah, the, yeah they, exactly. They played Virginia Tech. At, at yeah, they, they won. I, I can't remember. They won, and they uh, it's got to be on YouTube, but they had a pick six or a fumble recovery defensive touchdown, and the West Virginia guy scores the touchdown, and he just tackles the Orange mascot at the Orange Bowl. <laughs> Like he goes yeah, to, but not, in like a friendly way, like it's like a celebration. And he just takes out the mask. That's not all the orange. No, <laughs> but the other no. orange. No, yeah. the orange not bowl. Not the Syracuse like, guy. The yeah. other guy. The, the orange bowl with the crown on. Him. Oh yeah. yeah, that guy. Oh yeah, yeah. I want that. I want ridiculousness. <laughs> I want local ads for products that no one's ever heard of. I want the best sponsors oh, yeah. too. That's the best part too. Local sponsors, all four. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, give me, give me, give me Jets, you know, tire iron shop and 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 Jiffy Lube, you know, like I think there was a Jiffy Lube ball, and that's not a local shop, but like you know, like oil change shop. Get ridiculous as is possible. I want, I want every single just the dot com phase was amazing in the two thousands. We're we're getting into the you know the yeah. past the GoDaddy stages and more into our. Our food is becoming big. Of course, the Mayo Bowl was a big pickup yeah. after we lost the Popeyes Bowl, mm. um, and and pouring out for the for the um, Babylon Mowers Bowl and we the Bahamas missed, we, Bowl too. We missed them as well. Yeah, the Bahamas the Bahamas Popeyes Bowl. Yeah. That was that was a great one. Mm-hmm. Rest in peace this year. But we'll see you. We'll see you next year, sweet friends. We will. Hopefully. We will. Because that that game that game on Christmas Eve or whatever it is, the twenty third, 
in the afternoon is like the always tend to like MTSU in Western Kentucky or whatever that one year had the Hail Mary. And mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's that's a weird one. That's a weird one. Let's yeah. bring it back. And it was actually West Virginia Clemson. So we start the show, you know, making fun of Clemson and we end it making fun of Clemson. So we end the show and making fun of Clemson. <laughs> well, Sully, I appreciate you. We got here the end of the college football season, one game away. Props to everybody that made it happen. Uh, thanks for coming on the Money Mitch Effect. We got one title game left Ohio State, Alabama. I can't wait. Should be a fun one. Thanks for coming on and talking some college ball. Thanks for having me, good sir. Enjoy. Huge thanks to Sean Sullivan for coming on the show and talking some college football. And since I spoke with Sully, a few things have happened in the college football world. It's unconfirmed, but there is rumblings out there that there may be a delay in the Monday night championship game if Ohio State has some COVID issues. Hopefully you don't get to that point. Again, nothing is confirmed, but they do have the flexibility to do that. We want to see everybody able to play that game. And then, of course, Devontae Smith wins the Heisman Trophy last night. Uh, the senior receiver from Alabama, just an incredible year. Props to him. First receiver to win the award in almost 30 years. Actually, you know, 29 years, 91 was the last time. And it was an incredible, incredible performance by him this season. Congrats to Devontae Smith. Now it's time to talk NFL with Ryan Souls. We're ready for the playoffs. The Browns are in. It's exciting for me, although they're going to have to do it without some coaches. We break down all the matchups of playoff weekend, how they got there, and talk a little bit about the Hall of Fame class at the end. The finalists have been named, so we're going to get five Hall of Famers as well. It's Ryan Souls talking NFL on the Money Mitch Effect. All right, the 2020 NFL season is in the books. It's playoff time. Excited to actually have a rooting interest for a change. Ryan Souls now on the Money Mitch Effect. Ryan, thanks for joining. I'm a little... Less excited today as we record this on uh, Tuesday night as I was Monday, but you know the Browns are in there. Although not all of them are going to get to be a part of it. Thanks though for joining the show. Yeah, man, happy to be here. Thanks for having me on, and I was so happy you guys made the playoffs. And then getting this news about Coach Stefanski just that shit that just sucks. There's no other way to put it, and. I still feel like we're going to get a good game out of it regardless. But, you know, in a playoff matchup, you want everybody at all cylinders. And that's, that's yeah. just Well, I and I do hate to start this on such a downer because I do want to get to the excitement of being in the playoffs. But Stefanski, a play-calling head coach at that, doesn't have symptoms, but he'll be out regardless. And the big one, too, you know, I mean, there is Kadil Hodge, the receiver, uh, depth receivers got some action, but Betonio is the longest tenured Brown Ryan there is. I've yeah. uh, been on the team for seven years, an anchor on that O line, and an O line that's not exactly healthy themselves. So even if it is just this, and we hope that it is, no more Browns have it, and we're all good to go. Betonio's a big loss as well. So I'm, you know, I'm a little tapered with that because you know the line especially, you need to be coming in as close to you know perfect health as you can this time of year. Absolutely. Absolutely. And the way they like to run the football, too, you definitely want to be strong up front. Well, I want to tie up some loose ends with Week 17 because it had, you know, first of all, again, we, we give props to the NFL for getting to this point. No bubble, no games canceled all year, some postponements, but they played the full slate of games. And in addition to that, Ryan, they had exactly what they wanted, maybe up until the Sunday night game. But essentially on Sunday you had... All the scenarios, all the seating, spots on the line, up for grabs, division titles, outright buys, wild card spots. The NFL had exactly what it wanted. It delivered again in terms of you know that early slate and even in the afternoon slate on Sunday. 
it, we were still figuring out who was going to go where. It was one of the most, maybe the most exciting Sunday day slates we've seen. Yeah, and to your point, who would have thought? And it just, and I know we have to talk about the Sunday night fiasco, but even without that, without with how horrible the NFC East was, who would have thought that it was going to come down to the last week of the season? <laughs> who was yeah. that? I know, crazy, crazy with three teams in it as well. Uh, we mentioned the Browns at the top of the show. The drought of 18 years snapped there. The Browns make the playoffs. The Steelers were game, and you could point to a lot of different reasons for it. You even had Tomlin platooning quarterbacks. Rudolph in, Dobbs came in a little bit. The uh, offense woke up late there for Pittsburgh. The defense was game, but in the end it was Nick Chubb running for a long touchdown. Baker playing a really solid game, and the Browns defense kind of perfecting that bend, but don't break. Uh, end of the day, though, Ryan, 11-5 and regular season for the Browns. Stefanski, I'm again biased, but up in the running for coach of the year in his first season. They make the playoffs, and uh, it's a very special moment to just get in and then, you know, see what happens. Yeah, I mean, I, I can't express again how happy I am for you guys. And, you know, I think... Early on, you know, we had talked about the Browns, I think, off the record, but just I didn't think they had gotten any quality wins. And later in the season, they got some quality wins. They really were able to run the football. And without Dell Beckham Jr., Baker was still spreading it around. They were able to move the football and play action. And I was really impressed. And I think they still got a shot on Sunday, even with, um, the losses due to COVID, but I, I've been really impressed. And, you know, the signature wins late in the year in December, that's what you want. And they're, you know, they're, they're dangerous. They hopefully are. Now, if you're Pittsburgh, you're obviously saying we had to rest Ben to stay healthy and, and some other, you know, playing time issues in that regard. So they're feeling pretty fine because they didn't just go absolutely free fall into the end of the season. They got their win over the Colts and, you know, we're able to get to the playoffs. For the Browns, the big thing, you know, looking at that quarterback position, obviously Baker minimizing, you know, his mistakes wasn't his best game by any stretch, but no picks, no turnovers is the big is the big stat there. Uh, and, and I just think of, in terms of this year, buying in. I mean, that last run, Baker picking it up for the, for the first down at the end of the game, it was Kareem Hunt being the lead block, you know, not something you'd expect to see there. So I think... From the little positives you can take this season, the Browns have completely flipped the script. And, you know, a bad loss like that loss against the Jets in any other year the last two decades would doom their season. It wasn't the case this time. So I thought that was good that they were able to control their own destiny. I, I will say this, though. The most impressive team, Week 17, Ryan, has to have been, based on the little stakes they had to play for, the Buffalo Bills. The Buffalo Bills. I mean... That, that is a scary team. I understand the Chiefs are the defending champs. We can talk their praises in a little bit. But the Bills are here. I mean, this isn't flash-in-the-pan success. The Bills are here. They're ready 13-3, and a 7-1 and home team that would only have to travel once in this in this whole playoffs before the Super Bowl. They're not just here. They're just not happy to be here. They passed that stage. Yeah, and, you know, they... I think they've taken over kind of the crown of the division. I think they're going to be that for a while. And Josh Allen, we've seen the most improvement from a quarterback from a rookie season till now. I don't know if we've seen that in the last 10 years from somebody. And they're going to be trouble. I don't think anybody wants to see them, including Kansas City. And if they continue to play like this on all sides, yeah. um, 
with their secondary as good as it is. Uh, I think it's underrated secondary with Trey White over there and Poyer and Hyde. Like they're they're good and McDermott's got it all together. And I think he he should be in the coach of the year conversation. Yeah. Um, what he's been able to do, and I fully expect them to win this week. So, Ryan, his first two years in the NFL, he couldn't break 60% completions. This year, 69.2%. Uh, just an absurd year for him in terms of yards for over 4,500 and 37 passing touchdowns. A lot's made about Stephon Diggs, who has just been incredible, and we've talked about that in the past. But this is, the, this is the Josh Allen show. He's spreading it around. The offensive play calling has been great. The defense isn't quite as good, but they're still pretty good. And I was just so impressed by the fact that this team didn't have to do what they did. You know, they could have, you know, basically just rolled over. Not necessarily rolled over like we've seen, but just not put it all in the, in the first gear. But they wanted that momentum going in to the playoffs. I, I, you know, I look at the Chiefs, Ryan, on the other side. I mean, I know they lost to the Chargers. I did want to talk about them a little bit because it was a meaningless game. But we got to be careful with them, too, because they're one bad quarter, perhaps, against the Raiders, bad fourth quarter from... Again, we've got to presume they would win this game if they were trying to, having a perfect regular season. So for them to be kind of flying under the radar with Buffalo, Green Bay, some other teams getting the hype, the Chiefs are still 14-2 and two and still have the one seed, and the playoffs go through Patrick Mahomes and Arrowhead. Yeah, they're 14-2, and two, but the way the Chiefs have won football games this year has been, I think, different than last year in terms of offense. The offense has been explosive, and you know Kelsey is – breaking records but they're beating teams close and I think that that's even more dangerous for opponents because I don't think we've seen them really get off on a team yet like we've seen in years past and they know how to win close games Andy Reid in the past did not know how to ice football games and I think the Super Bowl has given him confidence and Eric Bianami over there is just the the play calling and how they get guys open with all that talent and speed. It's just it's it's dangerous and they're they're the defending champ for a reason. They're yeah. going to be a tough out. That defense though is suspect and they the Chiefs got to play how the Chiefs play and try to put forty on you every game. Ryan Souls on the money, Mitch effect. Uh, I agree with uh, I agree with a lot of that. I just do, do think that we give the benefit of the doubt to the teams that have done it before, the teams that have the, the MVP play caller, or quarterback, I should say. So I think they're getting the break. They're getting the rope, so to speak. But, uh, man, I mean, this this is going to be fun. I, I can't wait for it. Uh, the rest of the AFC playoff picture, Ryan, as you look at it, the Dolphins were the team that missed it based on the results that we saw. Uh, they lost that game to the Bills, and, you know, much was made about them. Fitzpatrick wasn't playing. Tua didn't have a great game, great end of the season. Still, though, 10-6 and six for this team, way above expectations, and throw in the fact that they have a top-three pick thanks to Houston's just incompetence, I would be feeling pretty good. I know there's still some questions with Tua, but if I was in that Dolphins fan's perspective, I would be feeling pretty good going forward. Yeah, I think from a fan perspective, I think you it's definitely something to feel good about just because they haven't been consistent in terms of winning really since Dan Marino was there. But... You know, you got to have some questions about Tua. And as much as I love Tua, you know, they they can't move the ball down the field with him back there. And I don't know if that's the injury. I don't know if 
at, at Alabama, the fact that now he's going to have four number one uh, mm. uh, round one wide receivers going in the draft. I don't know if just getting the yards after the catch made him look a little bit better, but he he's not a big arm quarterback and he hasn't been that anticipatory this year. And I, I think that can grow, but it's weird having that number three pick. And I'm not saying I'll go get Justin Fields here, mm-hmm. but you, I think you got to really think about it. If two is better than anybody you could draft. I, I well, think that's who you got to ask. Well, I mean, let's just be clear. The only reason this is getting brought up is because they have that Texans pick. Because a normal right. ten and six team, you're not picking there. So that's one thing. And yeah, I agree. I mean, I'm a two a supporter as well, but I just don't think, you know, one year is and he has struggled. But I think you gotta at least, you know, given the investment, see what a full healthy off season where he was pretty much up against playing this year, health wise to get cleared. I think one more offseason, one more chance to do this right for sure. I mean, he wasn't a complete disaster, but there were some serious concerns there. I'm just looking yeah. at building a football team, too, especially because at three, I got to think that there's going to be quarterbacks taken one and two. Now, whether the Jets take a quarterback at two is another thing, but they're a potential for a trade or some sorts. So you wouldn't even be getting the surefire thing. Like, they had stumbled into, like, the Trevor Lawrence pick or even the for sure Fields pick, maybe. But, you know, I, I just think... I would, you know, for a team like the Dolphins, again, who haven't had much success, I would take the positives away. I know it's hard to do that all the time, but Flores looks like he's a good coach and you're building something on defense. My takeaway uh, in that whole thing. I agree. And, you know, if the playoff system wasn't so weird, they should be in it. Yeah, 10 and 6. I mean, that'd be two games better than the uh, seventh seed in the in the NFC. <laughs> exactly. Uh, you can even win the division comfortably, one of them. Um, but, you know, you have the Ravens who, who beat the Bengals. We all pretty much expected that they would be in. We'll get to the matchups uh, at the end of the show here. But uh, the other side of this was the AFC South, and that went down to the wire with the Titans already in, the Colts just needing to win to get in, but also being in the mix for the division. So as it turns out, both those teams won. The Colts kind of hung around. The Jaguars hung around with them for a while. Colts win that game. Titans win a wild one on a doinking in field goal for their division title. Number one story got to talk about is Derrick Henry, though. Ryan, he got 2,000 yards. He put the team on his back again. Leads the league in rushing. And another stat for you, if he would have just taken his second half rushing stats from the year, he'd be in the top five. Uh, man, you know how much I love running backs. And just to see another guy get into the 2K club, uh, I think I texted you. It's just weird that out of the eight guys or seven guys, I can't remember uh, who's in it, like three of them are Titans or Oilers, mm-hmm. which just is nuts. So it's something in the water up there that just makes certain runners run great. But Henry is special. Uh, the fact that he – was able to get 2,000 yards on top of what he did last year with the amount yeah. of carries. I think just speaks to his durability and you know how talented of a running back he is. And it's a shame that we see we're going to see more and more 4,500, 5,000-yard passing seasons, but we're not going to see 2,000-yard seasons. And it's a shame. It's a shame that accomplishments like this don't get considered for MVPs, but. It's a quarterback's league. Yeah, it really is, and I'm just looking at it now. There's only like nine guys that even had a thousand yards. One of them was Lamar Jackson. 
Uh, so that's just kind of where it's going. Number three in rushing this year, by the way, we were talking about this, the uh, AFC South, was Jonathan Taylor, rookie out of Wisconsin. So he had a top three year as well uh, with 11 touchdowns really came on down the stretch. I think Henry was also helped, Ryan, by the fact that that defense was kind of bad for the Titans and they had to keep scoring in a lot of these second halves. Yeah, that, I mean, and that's always going to help too because they, they had to keep the ball in his hands and anytime the game's going to be close with Tennessee in it, you know Henry's a threat. The Titans play well from ahead or with the game close. So as long as you do that, King Henry is going is gonna to have a chance to get busy on you. Are you surprised that the Colts season went the way it did? Uh, they get into the playoffs as a seven seed. There was kind of a roller coaster there. Rivers is up and down, down a lot of times. But, you know, the defense kind of hit their stride. And at the end of the day, this team is back in the playoffs. Anything surprising about that? Well, you know, I'm going to kind of go off kilter here. The surprising thing to me is that kind of the lack of infrastructure, I guess, there was in, in San Diego at the time, L.A. now. But I would like to believe that Phillip Rivers from a talent perspective had more talented teams with some of those charger teams yet the infrastructure with Frank Reich and you know I'm blanking on Eric Jim Irsay and you know what they do in Indianapolis they've built a quality team from the offensive line uh to the running backs to the receivers and they're not a bunch of big name guys yeah but they they seem to get it done, even though Rivers had kind of a similar Peyton Manning-like year, the year they won the Super Bowl. But to me, it just it says a lot about the Chargers that, you know, they had a lot more talent, but, you know, infrastructure matters. Well, I hope they I hope they keep that in mind when they hire their next coach as well, the Chargers. But, uh, no, I mean, right. Rivers still has a little left in the tank. I don't know what the ceiling is, especially with this brutal first-round matchup they have against the Bills, but... Still, got the finished the year strong and are going to be uh, going to the playoffs, so not something to scoff at. I, I do want to mention the NFC uh, before we get to these matchups. The one seed goes to the Packers. Hasn't really happened too many times for uh, Green Bay. They're usually at that two or three seed, it seems like, but it will be home field throughout in that you know vaunted bye where they don't have to play along with the Chiefs next week. They beat the Bears in a game that was competitive early, but Aaron Rodgers, again, just pulls away. He had no incompletions in the first half. I texted you that stat at the end of the season. 48 touchdowns for the Packers. Aaron Rodgers, 46 punts for the team, Green Bay Packers this year. He's the MVP. I don't think much more needs to be said. And uh, this team looking uh, as crisp as ever for another Super Bowl run. Yeah, and and I think not enough is said about you know, when Green Bay gets the one seed, that means, you know, not only the bye, but the road to the playoffs goes through Lambeau where it's cold. And not any, and not and a good point is not these other teams that are in the mix really have any advantage like Green Bay does. Exactly. And, you know, when you got Aaron Rodgers who can produce in the cold, used to playing in the cold, and you got guys like Drew Brees and Jared Goff, who Drew Brees in later age has not played his, his best in the cold, and Jared Goff can't play in 50-degree weather. So I think that's a huge advantage that, you know, they see some of these teams, they don't have uh, a monster defensive line team in the NFC like San Francisco to worry about so long that um, Tampa Bay beats Washington. I think that's really their their worst matchup on paper. But the road to the Super Bowl or to the NFC Championship going through Lambeau is huge. I would. Uh, I don't want to for- 
foreshadow too much, and I actually love the fact that they reseed in the playoffs. Tampa Bay is a bad matchup, and maybe the Rams, depending on the offensive side of things, can be tough. But again, that's the beauty of this. We don't know who's playing who, depending on how it shakes out. Uh, I I just, I I agree, and I think Green Bay, none of these teams are perfect. Uh, What they do offensively is as good as just about anybody in the NFL right now. And uh, the defense has been steadily improving. It gets overshadowed by Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams as much as uh, the rest of it. Uh, just want to quickly, though, because we, we agree Rodgers MVP. Who's your offensive player of the year? Because we've talked about pretty much all the candidates now. If we're not going to make this a QB award, you've got Henry. You've got Diggs, who led the league in uh, catches and yards. Kelsey had a phenomenal year. And Devontae Adams led the league in receiving touchdowns with 18. So do you have a uh, name you favor of those group? Yeah, I think it's between those four guys. Uh, I early on was leaning towards Devontae Adams, but <clears throat> seeing Henry get that. Yeah, it's got to be Henry, cards. man. In a passing league, it's got to be yeah, Henry. Yeah, in a passing league, you need 223. You get 250 in the last game of the season. I, it, for me, it's got to be Henry. All due respect uh, to the other guys, but they're playing with the three best quarterbacks in the league this year. <laughs> so, that, I mean. <laughs> That's part of it as well. Um, but, no, hey, the Bears got the eight, got the seven seed, and uh, it was a very interesting year. Let me just put it that way. Five and one, multiple QB changes, backing into the playoffs literally. But here come the Chicago Bears. Yeah, I just I, – I know some Bears fans just living in Chicago, and they're not happy, some of them, that they even made the playoffs because that means that – it's given ownership a little bit more confidence to keep Mitchell Trubisky, which they don't want. I agree a lot of with that sentiment. I just don't believe in him. I think this is going to be a short-lived playoff run, and I think some. I'm not trying to look too far ahead, but I just think uh, some major changes are probably going to be coming on that team because yeah. you know he's not the guy, and they literally backed in, but. Mm-hmm. Because he is the quarterback, I just I don't like the chances. Well, I will I agree with that, but I want to add the Bears have nothing to apologize for because the other teams, the Vikings and specifically the Cardinals, had their chances. Yeah. I mean, the Cardinals thing was kind of pathetic how it went down for them. How yeah. you know they went out with a whimper. I mean, they lose that game two weeks ago to San Francisco. San Francisco, who I've always you know marveled at what Kyle Shanahan can do for a team especially one that's shorthanded and doesn't have much to play for. But you'd think Arizona knows that all they have to do is essentially win that game, and they're probably in the playoffs, and they couldn't even do that. I mean, they finished so poorly. But, you know, we had to get to seven teams, and you're going to have years with a seven-team playoff where the AFC looks like this, where everybody's loaded, and there's a, a, a plethora of good teams. You're also going to have this in the NFC where we have a bad division and we have a, you know, a seven or eight, a 507 seat. So, that's what's going to happen. You know, there's no perfect formula to this. No, not at all. I will ask you this about the Cardinals, though. Do you think the league, <clears throat> excuse me, figured out Kyler Murray later on with his height, with his ability to not they, see over how they rushed him? Do you think they – I think they hit him. I think, I think they hurt him a little bit, if we're going to be yeah. honest. I think he got beat up a little bit. Now – Part of, to answer you know the part of your question, I think they might have figured out a lot of what Cliff Kingsbury does, what his yeah. strategy is. I think Kyler Murray was worn down. Now, I'm not going to speculate a serious injury, but he took some shots there, and he did get hurt in that last game. He but did. I think that's part of it. I mean, look, he's undersized. He takes some hits. 
you know, it's, it's, it's not Pop Warner at that level, you know. Russell Wilson is an exception. He's able to, uh, you know, to stay healthy and avoid those hits. Lamar Jackson, for the most part, you know, he's got that all-worldly speed, so it's a little different with him. Taller than both of them. Yeah, and and look, I mean, your guy Jalen Hurts right now. I mean, will will that will that last? I don't know. Um, I think it's as good as time as there is to segue into the NFC East talk because I've got some thoughts on this. All right, first of all, Giants Cowboys game hilarious for a lot of reasons. The fact that the Cowboys lost any chance of the division on the way they did with a fumble recovery where where he just Goldman just basically sat on the ball was really oh, funny. Amazing. Now, I'll, I'll be frank as we get into what everybody saw happen on Sunday night. The Washington football team wins the division over the by beating the Eagles uh, in a game that saw one of the first instances of not deciding to tank or take your players out or give in until uh, midway through, past midway through a close game. I want to preface it with this, Ryan. No sympathy for the Giants or any team that finishes 6-10 and 10 for not making the playoffs. But I understand completely, and I agree with a lot of the, the sentiment out there, that there's a certain way to go about things, both as a front office and as a coach, in terms of leading that locker room and getting the trust reciprocated from the players. I did have a problem with how it was done. Not the necessi- not the way that, you know, not the fact that Sudfeld is going to go in and you're going to, you know, pull your starters and not, you know, give forth your best effort with your best rosters. My biggest problem is you do it at the time you did it. You obviously were on the same page based on Hertz's reaction. I did have a problem with that because at the end of the day, those are professionals. They're playing for a paycheck, and they really don't care about the sixth pick versus the ninth pick in the draft. So here was my issue, and I don't want to sound like I care less about that, but I guess being a fan of the team, here's my perspective. I think – Having Jalen Hurts out there with the limited amount of snaps that he had already taken, you didn't even dress Carson Wentz. Yeah. And you have no idea, or I guess your the fans, the team, has no idea what the future is going to look like for any of them. And you would think that you would want to get a look. That's at a, the that's a great point. You know. Yeah. Who, and that's the point that I think is an additional point to this is that he's not Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers. No disrespect to Jalen Hurts, but we're not sold on him yet. Exactly. So let's let's get a look at him. He's the backup. So let's get a look at him. He's the backup. It's the pressure. It's a pressure moment. Let's see if he can bring them back. The guy who, going to Doug Peterson, the guy who took a tie – earlier in the year won't kick a field goal to make it 17 all. I don't know, you know, what the strategy was there, but I just less than the guys feeling disrespected because I get that. I, but me and like, and I'm a competitor, but me personally, if I'm out there, I could, I don't care about that, but I get why people do. My thing is, as a fan of the team, if you really want to see what your talent is and you bench Carson, this is just a weird way to go about it. Yeah, this is 9-6, to six, right? It's not like you're going to get Trevor Lawrence. Or, you know what I mean? Like, exactly. And, and you're not 
to pile on, but the draft history hasn't exactly been great for that regime. No, either. it hasn't. So, I mean, we see Arcega Whiteside for the first time. <laughs> I know. It's just like, wow, he's so, out there. <laughs> yeah. So, I just, if you're going to look at him, why not put Hurts out there? So, I just, Nate Sudfield's been on the team, I think, for four years now. So, I feel like you could learn a lot more about Jalen Hurts than you could about Nate Sudfeld, who was the backup when Foles was there, and I think uh, was the backup a little bit before that. Mm-hmm. So I just the way they all went about it to me, just I don't know if it was a losing mentality, but it was just dumb. Yeah, um, you know, and just to kind of you know go further on that a little bit, I. But speaking specifically to a lot of the veterans that probably won't be back again, like a Jason Kelsey, right. like a Zach Ertz, you know, and, and I, I understand, I even understand, you know, pitch count, so to speak. Hey, we're going to have you play the first half for this many drives, but you can watch that clip of Hertz coming out and he was visibly upset. He oh, wanted he to stay in and, and make no mistake about it. We know how this stuff works, right? It wasn't Peterson's call completely to do what he did. I mean, he kind of hinted at it all week, but I just don't know how... You know, you keep, you know, that command in that locker room when you're not all on the same page. Whether we, whether I agree with you or not, there was definitely, you know, confusion there. And I just, you know, the NFL scheduling that game Sunday night when they could have still scheduled, you know, Bears-Packers and at the very least the uh, there would have been implications in that game. Yeah, they, they absolutely should have flexed that game because there's no reason we should have had to be subjected to that on Sunday night. And I'm a fan of the team. Yeah, well, that's my piece on that moment. Uh, if you're an Eagles fan and, and you're you know embracing tanking for a pick, I get it, but I've also been on that side before, and it's not going to do anything to lift the spirits of the players you have there. <laughs> so um, yeah. we'll see what happens with that. But it was Washington getting to the playoffs, and uh, you know our, our matchups are virtually set. You know, Tampa Bay was the other team that got in. Tampa, New Orleans, who New Orleans had no running backs this week, they were locked into that two seed with Green Bay rolling. Uh, you also had, you know, Tampa kind of just you know floating in as that five seed, a little untested, and we're going to see round three of the Rams and the Seahawks in uh, some format. So let's actually, you know, let's actually look at those matchups now. Ryan Souls on the Money Mitch effect. We got six games, wild card weekend. It, it, it's something that we kind of dreamed about for a while. What happened if they added another team to the first round of the playoffs? Here we are, Ryan, Ryan with three games on Saturday and then three games on Sunday. Yeah, this is this is crazy, man. I'm I'm so excited for this, and you know I, I think they got a potential to be all good games. I, I hope the Bears hold up their end of the bargain. I think outside of that, because I think I think, I think that first time, one might be tough. I I think Indy might have a problem. <laughs> I think they might have a problem too. I do, but I think they can cultivate a game plan at least make it competitive for a little bit. Yeah, well, uh, that is the first game, and I think Indy's defense uh, is a strong unit on their team. They're going to be up against it, but Jonathan Taylor is the key for them because they're going to need to keep the ball away from Buffalo. Uh, I just don't know how Buffalo is going to have some fans in the stands. They've wanted this moment forever. They're going to be amped, and uh, I, I feel good about Buffalo, you know, handling business there and keeping it going. That Rams Seattle game, which is the second game, Seattle at home, I would be. All about, and I know Seattle's my Super Bowl team. I picked them before. But if I had any assurances about the quality of play, regardless of who it is at quarterback, I would be inclined to think that the Rams could win this game based on the matchup, even if it is in Seattle. But because of that very reason, Akers hurt as well. I'm leaning Seattle in this one. 
Yeah, I'm I'm leaning Seattle too, and Seattle hasn't played well against the Rams this year, and you know it it is a weird matchup, but I don't trust D- Jared Goff. I think Sean McVay will have a good plan against Pete Carroll's defense, but I feel like Russell Wilson is is going to get into his playoff mode. They got Metcalf over there. They got Lockett, and you know it's going to be great to see Ramsey. And Donald, you know, do their thing in the playoffs, but I think Russell Wilson is gonna is gonna turn into um, early on where we thought he was the MVP. Russell Wilson. This is always a brutally disjointed game, though, and uh, Ramsey is so good. It's gonna be tough for even DK Metcalf to get free, uh, but I think Seattle pulls this one out. Quarterback issues, Acres banged up, lines not exactly great on offense, but you never know with. Uh, Aaron Donald on the other side of the ball. The Saturday night game, Tampa, Tampa Tom taking on Washington. Well, Washington's in the playoffs. Uh, and they do have Chase Young and a very disruptive Chase Young at that. He's looked incredible. But, uh, you know, not a little step up in competition from the NFC East they've been playing all year. Yeah, absolutely. This is going to be a step up in competition. And I'll go out on a limb and say this. If, if Alex Smith is healthy and can they can move the ball, I think – they could make this competitive just because that defense can't put pressure on Brady. And we've seen when Brady's been under pressure this season, he hasn't played that well. And, you know, if Tom Brady has a two interception game. You got Evans injured too. Yeah. Yeah. So it, Evans also being injured, you know, if, if they turn the ball over, this could get real interesting. So I think the Buccaneers are going to win here. I'm picking them to win, but I think Washington can keep this interesting. Yeah, with, with how – I mean, you keep Tom clean, they win pretty handily. But if, if Washington gets in, in his face, I mean, because Chase Young just looks incredible, I can't say that enough. Um, but I, I think that could be a fun one too. I, I'm with you there. There's sneaky potential there. I, I don't know that Tampa Bay wins going away. Baltimore-Tennessee in that rematch though, Ryan, I think you know outside of my own bias game that I want to watch, this is probably the game I'm most fascinated to see. This is a fun one. Baltimore has had a resurgence recently. Tennessee, you know, handled them last year in the playoffs. Both teams have had issues on defense, so I would expect uh, some fireworks and a lot of points in this one. Yeah, and, and I think also Tennessee has Baltimore's full attention this year. I think last year they relaxed. They were feeling themselves. They had come off such a great record, Lamar Jackson having the MVP season. I think this season they've had to go about it a different way. They had to grind into the playoffs, Lamar Jackson. And Marquise Brown especially, too, has they've had to up their game on offense, moving the football uh, to make this Russian attack be so prolific. And, you know, as good as Derrick Henry is, and he can run uh, the amount of yardage for three people, but Baltimore got three guys that can legitimately get you 100 yards. So I, I like the Ravens here, but I think it's going to be a close game. I actually think I like the Titans here, um, but I, I, you know, I, I I expect a close game. I do think Tannehill season, if you if you look at just pure passing numbers, he's been consistently in the top five most of the year, and I have questions on that Baltimore defensive side, given how they've gone. I think Lamar is great. I think Dobbins is an upgrade. I just think it's going to be tough when you have, you know, what was the lasting memory of last year's game is probably Derrick Henry throwing Earl Thomas five yards downfield. Yeah, that is true. 
So it, I'm, I'm, that one has got me excited because there's a lot of possibilities there. I don't think there's a lot of possibilities in Saints Bears. I think we're on the same page in that one. Oh, 100 percent. I mean, just get the Bears out of here, man. That's yeah, basically a great a great ease into the playoffs for Drew Brees and Kamara coming back from the COVID list. Absolutely. I mean, as long as they can keep him clean, he can really just get healthy from the, those ribs and function long. Pittsburgh, Cleveland, last game of the weekend. This is uh, going to be in Pittsburgh, third time this year that these two teams have played. Uh, you know, I, I'm gonna, I'm obviously going to just, you know, emotionally pick the Browns. They can win this game. Pittsburgh understandably deserves to be favored. They have though lost a lot of talent on the defensive side of the ball. Minimize turnovers. Pound, Chubb, and Hunt, and, and win that time of possession. I think that's going to be the key stat. And uh, eliminate the big plays for the Browns because Claypool, we saw it, Juju Smith-Schuster, Deontay Johnson, that, this is a team that takes quick strikes. So if you can eliminate those, you know, really you know, establish the run game, they'll be in this one and have a chance to win. So hopefully I get to see it. Yeah, man, and, you know, I, I'm about to say this because you're my buddy. But before the, this news came out, I was really leaning towards the Browns to win this game. I Just the way that the Steelers had played down the stretch, I had no confidence that they could beat a good team in the playoffs. Um, I think this game is still going to be close. I'm liking the Steelers here just because not having Stefanski on the sidelines, not having Batonio out there. I think it's still going to be a close game, though. Um, but I like the Steelers. Yeah, well, I mean, it's understandable when your play caller's out and having the issues on the line, and we haven't seen Baker and company in a playoff game. We've seen it with Ben. We've seen it with this Steelers you know, team specifically, so understandable. But no, man. He hasn't. I'm excited to just be in, see what happens. Hopefully it's competitive, make some plays, and uh, just go from there. Uh, Ryan Souls, this was a pleasure. Last thing, though, before I let you go here on the Money Mitch Effect is the uh, – Quick thoughts on the NFL 15 Hall of Fame finalists that came out, which headlined by Peyton Manning and Charles Woodson being the new cast mem- new uh, class members. Calvin Johnson's a first-time finalist in his first year along with Jared Allen. The remaining names being Rondé Barber, Tony Baselli, Leroy Butler, Alan Fanica, Tory Holt, John Lynch, my guy Clay Matthews for the first time, Sam Mills, Richard Seymour, Zach Thomas, and Reggie Wayne. So that's 15 star-studded names, and we can only get five in there. Are you leaning in a certain way? Yeah, I mean, only getting five in there. I think two are shoe-ins with Peyton Manning and Charles Woodson. I know you've wanted to see Clay Matthews get in there for a long time. I've wanted to see uh, Zach Thomas get in there. I think the interesting one is going to be Calvin Johnson. You know, I think his peak – and what we saw him do, I think, is certainly warranted of Hall of Fame talent and Hall of Fame ability. But is the committee going to consider the the longevity with which he played Hall of Fame production? So I'm curious to see how they look at that. Uh, I, I think he will get in eventually at some point. But whether they consider his time played first ballot worthy, I think is going to be interesting. Yeah, I mean, even a guy, you know, even a guy like Jared Allen, who was around forever, having a uh, having a great year, you know, having a great career, I should say. Uh, and then there's linemen in there like Baselli and Fanica that have been around and you know deserving too. It's going to be tough. All we know is Peyton and Woodson. That's, I mean, that's literally it. Charles uh, Calvin Johnson, excuse me, might not be a first ballot. It's been really hard to get to be a first ballot receiver. So 
I'm expecting anything. These are more than deserving names. I uh, just want to see all these guys in at some point. Yeah, man, definitely. I mean, all these guys are deserving. John Lynch, Torrey Holt. So I just I hope all these guys get in at some point. Yeah, we can get you know some receivers in, someone to Peyton to throw to in this class for sure. Oh, for uh, sure. Uh, all right, Ryan Souls, pleasure as always. Thanks for coming on uh, all football season. We made it. Let's see how these playoff picks and playoff matchups go. But uh, thanks for coming on the Money Mitch Effect. Yeah, man, thanks for having me. Good luck to your Browns. That's going to do it for this episode of the Money Mitch Effect. Thanks again to both Ryan Souls and Sean Sullivan for appearing as guests on this week's show. Thanks, as always, to Brian Nelson for supplying the artwork to the podcast and Tim Adams for supplying the beats and music that you hear going in and out of each segment. You can find every episode of the Money Mitch Effect on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Google Play. All 254 episodes in the catalog are there. Leave a review, a rating, subscribe, and check out the Money Mitch Effect Facebook page, as well as follow me on Twitter at MoneyMitchM21. And a special shout-out to the United States of America hockey team, the World Juniors Under-20 Tournament in Canada. The U.S. beats Canada, the host country, to win their fourth U.S. World Juniors Championship this decade. Also undefeated when they play Canada in the gold medal game. So props to the Stars and Stripes. USA Hockey continues to shine. You love to see it. Congrats to USA Hockey on their World Junior Championship. I'm Mitch Michaels. Until next week, I'll see you. Keep enjoying sports.